the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So this is um, this is what the Attorney General of the state of Ohio says uh, about Governor Mike DeWine's veto of the SAFE Act, the Saving Adolescents from Experimentation Act, and the Saving Women's Sports Act, which was encompassed within it. Quote, HB 68 is about virtually all girls and women and should be able to compete in fair, who, excuse me, who should be able to compete in fair, safe competition. Not about the tiny sliver of transgender athletes. The remainder of the bill is not about medical decisions, but about the permanency and timing of those decisions. Kids should be kids and are not ready to make forever decisions. A minor cannot even enter into a legally binding contract in Ohio. Isn't a non-reversible surgery or medical treatment more important? The governor's veto was a mistake. That's what Attorney General Davio said in a short tweet thread or Twitter thread or X thread or whatever it is that you want to call it. I was very glad to hear that. And he is among all of those people who, with the same mindset, who are encouraging Ohio House representatives and Ohio senators to quickly return to Columbus and override that veto of that important legislation. Joining us now. One of the co-sponsors on the House side of House Bill 68, the SAFE Act, which passed overwhelmingly, uh, 45th uh, District Representative Jennifer Gross. Representative Gross, good to have you back on our program here in Cleveland. How are you? I'm great, Bob. Thank you for inviting me to come on the show. Did you or were you surprised um, when you heard the governor's veto or did you expect it? I was absolutely surprised. I felt like as a governor who's leaving a legacy who has, I think, nine children and hundreds of grandchildren and maybe even great-grandchildren, I'm surprised that he would leave this, and female grandchildren, (laughs) I'm surprised that he would leave this as his legacy. We knew it would be tight. Our vote was 62 to 27. Um, We obviously had... Uh, 10 people missing. However, it it was shocking. Um, What is it about your understanding of Governor DeWine that made you so surprised? I was, sad to say, not surprised. Um, I, I don't get a strong sense of uh, of purpose in this governor, um, of a belief in the conservative values that the conservative voters of Ohio hoped for when they elected him not once but twice. And I, I guess that's in large part because of what he did during COVID. Uh, I do not believe that he necessarily has the right moral center to make decisions like this. So I was not surprised. What do you, what did you see in him that made you more hopeful? I think trying to give him the benefit of the doubt is who Jennifer Gross is. And and I, I kind of looked at him as like a grandpa who wanted to keep Ohioans safe, and so he felt like, which is not the role of government. Our, our role, of course, is to preserve liberty, pass liberty, life-focused bills, right, and preserve the Constitution, not, you know, expand our, our driving laws to, you know, give more tickets or whatever. So... You know, for me, I gave him the benefit of the doubt, and I had believed that the logic of 
you know, these surgeries are actually happening in Ohio. We have recorded voicemails from, you know, I won't name the hospitals, but we have recorded voicemails stating that children 16 and up for sure are having their breasts removed. I thought that things like that actual evidence would get him rather than the thing that we've heard all along is I'd rather have a living son than a dead daughter. And we all know that an XX does not equal an XY. So I had hoped that as an attorney himself and a man who has a family that he would, he would choose the right path. And obviously I was greatly disappointed, but I will tell you this, Bob, Veto overrides, when people ask me in Columbus, are you having fun there? I think if you don't live in Columbus, you should not be having fun there. You should be fighting for liberty, and a fight isn't fun all the time. But I'll tell you what's fun. We have had great disarray in the Ohio House, but a veto, that is fun. When we unite together and we come together, that's fun. I love that. You know, that was the one thing, uh, Representative Jennifer Gross, Ohio District 45, that's one the one thing that gave me... A slight, small amount of hope is that the governor did not want to do something that he knew had already passed with uh, uh, override majorities, uh, because no governor, no executive likes to be vetoed. It's uh, you know, it's kind of a stain on their record uh, if they get overridden like this. And he had to know that you know what the numbers were. So I kind of hope that might uh, deter him, but but he did it anyway. And I'm wondering now, and I'm sure you have been. Uh, following this story, just like everybody else in Ohio and maybe around the country has, that in the aftermath of all of this, reviews of donations received by Governor DeWine for his campaigns for governor, totaling some $40,000 from Ohio Children's Hospital Associations, the Cincinnati Children's, Nationwide Children's Hospital, ProMedica Children's Hospital, all of whom support transgender medical care, which, by the way, is an oxymoron. It is not caring mm-hmm. to carve somebody up, but particularly when their organs are healthy. But um, but at any rate, he took a lot of money from the hospitals that he says that he consulted with when making his decision. No conflict of interest there at all, is there? No, not at all. But I will tell you, remember that in his first gubernatorial campaign, he spent over $35 million. So when you compare 40000 to $35 million, you have to look deeper. And I, I, I certainly, as a non-politician until three years ago when I was elected, I certainly don't get a lot of these things still to this day. I don't want to get the political class because I'm not, I'm more of a, you know, Thomas Massey, Rand Paul kind of Republican. So I don't, I'm, I, I, all I can say to you is $40,000. Remember that my individual donation, how much you can give to one house rep is 15499 now. So when you say the governor of 11.9 million people took 40,000, it's like, yeah, okay. But it's got to be deeper, guys. It's got to be way deeper. There's got to be something else. So what is it? That's the question. What is it? That's a very fair point and a very good argument. However, I would also say that in in exchange for that, there had to have been promises made. So this may have been one component of what drove him to do something that was going to be deeply unpopular with Ohio's, uh, you know, red state voters. And we are a red state. I know. I know we did yeah. not win, you know, in November uh, on those two very I'm important initiatives. But, but I'm sorry. 
we're not done. <laughs> no, I know. I know we're not done. But you know what? Again, as I was saying, we have it. We we have it. A overwhelmingly red uh, uh, General Assembly. We have overwhelmingly red state office holders. The state Supreme Court. I mean, you know, the presidency. The last two elections by eight points or more. So he had to know what he was about to do. Was about to anger his base and the base, and yet he did it anyway. So. I agree with you. Uh, uh, Paybacks to those who promised him things and gave him money like this was probably part of it, but not all of it. And we need to know Mm -hmm. what the rest of it was. So, Mm -hmm. Representative Gross, now let's talk about that override. Um, A couple of stories came out yesterday saying that individuals uh, on the Senate side say we are prepared to vote to override this as long as the House does it first. What what kind of tea leaves do you have as far as what this, or maybe it's even more than that, direct conversations with the Speaker, Jason Stevens, about getting this done on the House side? I don't, I was one of the, I'm not a Blue 22, so I don't really speak to the Speaker. Uh, but I, when I have to, I've not spoken to him since this happened. I will say this, our vote was 62. My my interpretation was the governor is probably working behind the scenes to pull off a couple people. I think he's out of touch. I know he is as a representative who's had 30 town halls in my district and been beaten up by liberals almost every three months where I live. I will tell you that to understand the heartbeat of the people, you've got to be with them. And, and the governor doesn't even have us to his mansion to have breakfast or talk to us or meet us in the lounge in session. He doesn't do any of that. So possible he's out of touch but i would tell you that when i saw 62 i was worried because i thought who's he going to peel off and i looked at the list and i thought you know we've got we've got 12 of the 18 returning blue 22 that are going to be primaried and they're in their own races they have got to vote yes and so um it's really it's i i don't think I think he didn't, he was out of touch, and I also think he thought he could peel off three, because remember, we need 60 votes to override a veto, and we only passed it by 62. When I looked at the list, Brett Hillier, I don't know where his district is, but he didn't vote. Uh, So our hope is that, you know, oh, no, he did vote. He is the one Republican that voted no on uh, the the SAFE Act Mm -hmm. on HB 68. So so he probably, right, I mean, you know, but, but. So he'll probably remain a no. It'd be nice if he changed to yes, uh, you know, because he has a pretty tough primary. But, um, you know, that remains to be seen. But I think that it's it's really um, uh, astute of, of our house to be able to look at it and go, OK, we have 60, we have 62 people. And I looked at the list. I don't see any. I mean, we have some weak ones, which I won't name. I'm, you know, the squish, the rhino squish, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But, but they aren't. Sorry, my other phone's ringing. Um, the, I don't think he's going to be able to peel anybody off because we're in a primary season. All these things, you know, when you're in hunting season and you're the target, and he, he, everything's working against him. Bad political move, and a person who's been in politics as long as our governor has been is going to leave a legacy. I got a text that says, this will be his legacy. And we will not let Ohio politicians believe that you can spend your whole life in office and then your last term do this kind of stuff and be forgotten. And he's going to be remembered for this, which is unfortunate. 
Yeah, I, I com- completely concur. Before you came on, I talked about his legacy being the destruction that he caused for the state of Ohio during COVID because his policies and his um, his his heavy hand was simply inexcusable and indefensible. So he's going to be remembered for COVID, uh, vaccinillions. <clears throat> Closing schools, closing businesses, costing you know thousands of Ohio business owners their their livelihoods, uh, not just temporarily, thousands more temporarily, but those who never were able to open again. All of those things that he did in defiance of reality was going to be part of it, and now he's going to add this that he's going to have allowed with the stroke of his pen. Uh, Lord knows how many, and and we haven't even talked, Representative Gross, about the the sports part of this. I'm just talking about not letting kids make permanent decisions with with cross-sex hormones and puberty blockers, much less the mutilating surgeries from the SAFE Act portion of this, but the Saving Women's Sports Act, too. Now young girls who have been protected by Title IX in the state of Ohio, if he gets his way and this veto holds, uh, young girls are going to lose the protections of Title IX. They're going to lose their private spaces, their private opportunities, their separate opportunities to compete, earn scholarships, and more. I... I, I... I think about that. I think that in order to really represent, you've got to think about, we have a bathroom you walk in from our parking garage, a woman's bathroom, two stalls, one sink. Every time, and, and really no one would hear you if you were in there. Okay. I think about what it would be like for me, the representative walking in, there's a man in the other stall. I come out to wash my hands. He walks out. He's, I'm 5'2", he's 6'2", dressed like a woman. And he's standing there. What if he meant harm? I'm not saying that, you know, trans people are harmful, okay? What I'm saying is that how, I mean, and I'm not a young thing. I'm over 50. So, you know, how awkward. How do, and how do you put a 12-year-old in that position? How do you put a young 13-year-old who's a swimmer at the YMCA in a position with a man's, you know, Franks and Beans hanging out? You know, I mean, it's really, <laughs> you know, it's it's just, it's I do, I try to think about what would that be like? What are they doing to our girls? What is happening? And by the way, there's an article I wrote. It just came out. I just saw it this morning. It's called "To Air Is DeWine." <laughs> I forget. I don't know if it's the national. Yeah, it's national review. review. Yeah, it, I actually tweeted it and shared it. Uh, it, it yeah, it, it, yeah, and it's uh, it's it's very well. You know, it argues a lot of the points that you and I are arguing right now about how foolish this veto was. So, Representative Gross, let's go back to the veto now, or excuse me, to the override now. How many did you say did not vote in the House uh, on sixty eight? Ten. So we had sixty two to twenty seven, which is eighty nine, and we have ninety nine House members. Okay, I believe so there was only one not there, and it might have been Gambari. I don't know if uh, um, uh, Calendar voted. I'm not sure. I forget. I, I'd have to go back through. You can look up the list at um, the Ohio House and look up yeah. our bills. You yeah, can so, see. But... So what I want to know now is um, when it comes to the override, do those 10 who did not vote in the original on the original bill, do they get to cast a vote to override or not? Correct. They so can. it's not just peeling off thing. three. It's not. It's not just peeling off three that voted for the bill now for Dewine. He has ten people that he can work with here, right? He he does. But remember, Bob, all we need is sixty. So if some of those that come back, which most of them are Democrats, okay, got that, it. So it's not a, it's not a percentage. Back. Yeah, it's not a percentage right. of the ninety nine. Okay, you're right. right. Thank you. Right, Thank and you. Gambari didn't vote, and my hope is that he'd vote yes. So now on the 63 column, even if DeWine peels one off. But remember, I mean, I would think, I would think now, you know, <laughs> stranger things have happened. I'm not saying, you know, that my colleagues are not smart. But I would think 
that any House Republican would be looking around at every single, every, all over the country, Megyn Kelly, uh, Riley Gaines, uh, Chloe Cole, all the people that are that are speaking out, all the conservative talk shows, yours, everybody, mm-hmm. that any Ohio House Republican would not take a chance and vote no. <laughs> like, like, you better show up, and it looks like it, I don't know, Stevens will tell us probably Thursday whether we're going to have the as-needed session next week on the 10th. But but I I I would think any logical Ohio House Republican would understand that they better vote yes or this is the end of their political career. I certainly hope that's the case. This is the message we are endeavoring to get out to everybody to contact you, uh, you know, people in your district contract contact their state representatives, their senators to encourage them and to let them know exactly that. I don't mean to make it sound like this is you know old style chicago politics when i say threaten them but threaten them with the end of their political careers if they do not override this horrific decision made by the uh the governor of the state of ohio um so i want everybody to make sure that they know to go to the ohio house page legislature.ohio.gov and uh, find your representative's number find their email address contact them multiple times share that information on your socials share that information on your email chains whatever you got to do to get more and more people to let them know the people of ohio are outraged that the governor is going to allow kids to be mutilated for his uh for his agenda um yeah representative gross one last question for you you have been a staunch advocate for medical freedom and choice uh, going all the way back into COVID, obviously. And uh, so I just want to maybe get a little uh, little uh, heads up on what's coming. What, what bills are still in the pipeline or what new bills are coming to protect Ohioans' rights to make up their own minds on what medications they take, whether or not they strap things to their faces and so forth? Can you give us any update on where we are headed into this, uh, into this year? Absolutely. We have um, HB 319, which is conscientious right to refuse. That means that reasons of conscience and religious reasons, you should not have to uh, endure any kind of genetic mutation, mRNA technology, and all vaccines. I think that uh, in light of, if people are not reading, if they're not trying to find, if they're not talking to people that are awake, not woke, about what is going on with the vaccines, because you aren't going to find it on your best research. You are not. You've got to go to Substack. You've got to go to McCullough. You've got to talk to, you know, a lot about Aturia. All those physicians that are speaking out, they must go and seek that data or they're not going to find it. Um, So 319 prevents all mandates for vaccines. um, And then, but it's it's religious focused. So you would you would get a religious exemption. We also have HB 73, my bill that has passed the House. That is the Dave and Angie Patient Provider Protection Act, which says um, that a patient goes into the hospital, that they cannot be denied treatment. Now, that what that means is they don't get to go in and say, I will get this, I will have that, you will, I will do what I believe. No, doctors still have the medical uh, uh privilege and the relationship with that patient to make their educated medical choices, but it allows that physician to not be, um, not be, sorry, I'm so sorry, Um, not be, it allows a physician to not be ramrodded by a, a hospital policy when they are the artists and experts of a patient, their patient. 
And it allows that physician to say, I've tried everything. I believe this. I've got my colleagues believe this might work and this might work and this might work. And I want the opportunity to try it. At that point, if the hospital says no, another physician or the physician doesn't want to do it, another physician who says, I'm willing to try can get temporary privileges, come into the hospital and save that patient potentially. So there's that. And then uh, Representative Scott Wiggum has um, a constitutional amendment. It has not been heard yet, uh, but it will go into our, it would go on the ballot and um, would prevent any mandates of masking, which I'm hearing now is happening in Hudson City Schools again, on buses with sports. I mean, you know, we've got to stop this madness. I was removed from health committee as the only Republican health care provider for standing. And, and, and people, I, anyway, so we haven't stopped. Um, I would encourage people to write their representatives about 319, write their senators about 73, because that bill is now in the Senate, has not had a hearing. The chair is uh, Steve Huffman. And um, I'm, I'm, I've done some interested party meetings. I don't know, you know, he says I'm the delay. So I'm trying to make sure there is no roadblock there. And um, and then we're going to keep moving forward. I, I want the people to know that there are fighters uh, in the House. But 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 when we don't pass some of this good legislation, I want to say to them, you haven't sent us enough of them. You got a lot of squishes that say they're Republicans, that say they stand for life, that say they stand for liberty, that say they're standing for limited government. But as my congressman, Warren Davidson, said, you know, conservatives are, we don't have anything left to conserve. I mean, the government has grown so big, you know, it's, 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 we need the people to be, to hold, to be a government of form by the people and hold their representatives accountable. The only way we can pass this legislation, and I'm sorry that they have to spend their precious time and they should be working and, and they should be sending to Columbus people that actually represent them. But unfortunately, you've got to get in, dig in, get down in the dirty, go to the to the town halls, look at these candidates and actually do your homework. Because Republicans, there's the globalists and then there's the liberty fighters. And we've got all of the above in our house. And you are one of the fighters. I love it. Uh, very, very great information, important information. I hope people take you up on every single one of those things. Make sure to t- uh, talk to the Senate uh, about HB 73. Get that passed. Obviously, we need to get HB 319 over the line as well and the constitutional amendment by uh, uh, Representative Wiggum. Certainly worth our support as well to prevent the ridiculous mandated masking. Uh, Representative Gross, thank you for coming on. Um, do you anticipate, by the way, the vote to be next week as soon as you guys get back? I do. I do. I, mean. I do. I, I do. I, I can't speak for Stevens. Obviously, he doesn't necessarily do what I want him to. <laughs> so, uh, but I would hope that he reads the tea leaves, as you said earlier, mm-hmm. and that he understands that um, the people of Ohio want this. And, I, and I'd like to end, too, Bob, if you would let me and just say that. I love all people and people that are struggling with gender identity and gender disorder. My heart goes out to those people. Um, Permanent disfigurement and things when we know that there's, you know, huge rates of suicide after actual physical surgical transition. Um, it, It is tragic. And boys getting... Uh, scholarships, four-year college scholarships to compete against women, girls in college. This is 
this is this is crazy. We sometimes you got to stand up and just go, okay, um, back some sanity. Yeah. Let's let's look at what is reasonable, and it is not reasonable to cut off genitals of 16, 17-year-olds in Ohio. Ohio is not that state. No. Nor so. to put them on, on, on chemicals that will you know, forever sterilize them. It is, uh, it is just unconscionable to do those things. That's By right. the way, uh, Representative, rather, Speaker Stevens' phone number in Columbus is 614-466-1366, according to the Ohio House page. I urge everyone to contact not just your own representative and uh, senator to make sure that we re- the, uh, override this veto, but contact Stevens to make sure he holds the vote. ASAP as soon as... Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.